0: If you take your Bibles and open them up, we'll be reading verses 8 through 13, our text this morning, in just a few moments. Welcome every single one of you here this morning to Big Woods. God has blessed us. You, you, you sounded like a choir. I was back there. They sounded like a choir. You are beautiful this morning. Welcome, every one of you, a special welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Introduced for like the third time, Brody and Meredith Baker back home from their honeymoon. <clears throat> I love, we are renouncing new babies born last week and couples getting married. Praise the Lord for that. We have much before us. I know our morning is quickly escaping, but I am going to pray that the Lord give you a sense of calm and quiet as we hear from him this morning. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Lord, we are amazed at your grace that once again you have given to us the privilege to gather like this. To gather together as family. Brothers and sisters in Christ, and we pray, Lord, that we would hear from you, our Heavenly Father, Please, and I plead with you, may you make your message clear. Use my mind and my mouth in any way that you see fit for one reason, that you would be glorified. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Okay, we introed Romans 15 last week. We looked at Christ, the ultimate example. Today we look at Christ, our absolute hope. You now, if you recall very quickly, we have an obligation. There's a weight upon us to bear with and build up the weaker, because that's exactly what the Lord Jesus has done for us. He carried the reproaches, the insults, he carried the curses. He endured, and through the promises of this word that you hold in your laps, the promises of Scripture, He was what? He was given the endurance and the encouragement that is needed. And ultimately, it's through this word. That we are given the hope. Hope that is defined as what? An expectation or belief in the fulfillment of something that is desired. T- today we build upon it. Specifically, who is it for? To whom is hope offered? To whom is hope promised? Now if you recall last week, and the words are out in our, in our lobby, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. The command implies that we welcome Every single person in this, this particular letter that Paul's writing to the Romans, it's Jew and Gentile. Today it refers to what? Everyone, regardless of ethnicity, race, social status, young, old, rich, poor, black, white, if you like classical or country. It really doesn't matter. What matters is that this word is offered for you. Now why is it important to know that this hope is offered through the message of the Lord Jesus Christ, the message of the gospel. Why is it important that it's for all people? Because I believe, and I think you would agree with me, there's never been a time, there's never been a greater need for hope than today, this day. People have pushed truth aside. They've attempted to silence any absolutes. Forgotten God worshiped self and focused on their feelings and what has happened we have people that are more depressed than ever before there's a darker element than ever before and people are literally literally dying in hopelessness oftentimes believing a lie other 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 people can have hope hope is available for someone out there but but i i don't have it i can't have it Which leaves, what, millions upon millions upon millions of people searching for hope and joy and peace in a million places that it will never be found. That's why we have the word of God before us. Let me direct your attention to verse 8 of Romans chapter 15. The word of the Lord. For I tell you that Christ became a servant... To the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs. And in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written. Therefore I will will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again it is said rejoice O Gentiles with his people. And again praise the Lord all you Gentiles that all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him, in him, will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. In 1996 a marketing strategist his name was dr. Dan Herman was writing a research paper about the impact that certain products had on consumers and while he was conducting his interviews he was listening he noticed a certain phenomenon that most consumers mentioned a common theme that they actually expressed a fearful attitude Surrounding the possibility of missing out in opportunity and the joy that could come along with it. It was in his paper that Dr. Herman was the first one to pen this very well-known acronym that we know as FOMO. The fear of missing out. Now we know since the advent of social media this has become obvious. FOMO is a real thing. It's been studied more and more. It's described as a general anxiety over the idea that people might be having a fulfilling experience without you. Now, do you realize as well that several related terms have been inspired by FOMO? There's actually several, and, and I'm not making this stuff up. This is real. There's actually something called phobo, the fear of better options. And then there's also MOMO. This is real stuff. It's called the mystery of missing out. I'm missing out on something, but I don't even know what it is. And there's ROMO, the reality of missing out. And then there's FOGY. The fear of joining in, which means I'm missing out on something, but I can't even join. And then there's Jomo. This is real. I'm not making this up. The joy of missing out. Think about this. Think about what's happening. People, we gather together all the time. And whatever setting, whatever place, people have the idea that there must be something better that's out there. It's got to be better than what would exist. That somehow, when we're here, people are missing out. That's why people leave churches. That's why people leave and quit marriages. There's got to be something better. That's why people deconstruct their faith. They say, well, this this isn't good. This This can't be right. It's not right. There's no joy here. There's no fun here. Which means what? There ultimately is no hope. Why bother? Yet we just read, you just heard these words. Three different times the word hope was used. And not only did you hear the word, but the tone. The tone of the way that hope was described. Listen to this. I will praise. I will sing. Rejoice. Praise the Lord. May the God of hope fill you with all joy. This is good. This is great stuff. You may or may not have noticed that there was one word that was repeated more than any other word. Actually, the word again, three different times, the word again was used. And there's something about us, and I think particularly, and you can, you can go here with me. You ever, you ever with the little ones, you, you jump out of the closet and you say, boo, and, they, and they're like, oh, do it again. Like there's something to this child-like, toss them in the air, and they're giggling, laughing, in the swimming pool, and you toss them, do it again. Do it again. You ever gotten a roller coaster, you get off, and you're like, hey, let's do it again. We know, generally speaking, it's the young that say that, whereas it's the old people that we generally hear, what? Oh, no, not (laughs) Again prolific 20th century English author, G.K. Chesterton. He actually wrote extensively on apologetics. His premier work is called Orthodoxy. And he says this, listen very carefully. Because children have abounding vitality, because they are, they are in spirit fierce and free, therefore they, they want things repeated and unchanged, They always say, do it again. And the grown-up person does it again until he's nearly dead. For grown-up people are not strong enough to exult in monotony. But perhaps God is strong enough to exult in monotony. It is possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun. And every evening, do it again to the moon. It may not be authentic It may not be automatic necessity that makes all daisies alike. It may be that God makes every daisy separately, but never has gotten tired of making them. It may be that he has the eternal appetite of infancy. For we have sinned and grown old, and our father is younger than we. Now please understand, I'm not suggesting a created God here. I'm not suggesting or trying to negate the eternality or the immutability of God, but rather addressing the Creator's never-ending freshness. In a sense, the Creator knows that we need to hear something again and again. It needs to be made new for us and kept fresh. That's exactly what happens here. We see both what I call the totality and the unity of Scripture pointing to the fact that Christ again and again We need to hear it more than once. We need to see it more than once. Is Lord and Savior over all. Christ has revealed himself over and over. Again and again. And to support this assertion. The saving purpose of Jesus offering hope. Is not just for the Jews. It's for the Gentiles. And this is not what for a few. A select some. But for many. And Paul offers multiple citations. or What he calls, and I give my first point, proof. Proof of the hope that Christ offers. Now you want to know two things. First of all, every one of these quotes each come from the three main sections of Hebrew scriptures. One is represented from the law. One is represented from the prophets. And the other represented from the writings or the Psalms. Notice as well that each quote includes the word Gentiles, ethnos, or ethne, which means peoples or nations. Now, why is that there? Good question. Hold on just for a moment. I'll get there. Last week, I told you that I love how the author, the apostle Paul, he roots his teaching in the broader, greater storyline of scripture, which Pastor Stewart just alluded to with the little ones. Showing the global purpose of God in the Messiah. And I promised we'd flesh this out more in this particular section, verses 8 through 12. So think about this. Through the Messiah, God's promise to the patriarchs has been fulfilled. This speaks about the fact that salvation not only is made available for a select few of the Jews, but also for the Gentiles. You may or may not, and this goes back several months, I don't even know when a key theme that ran through Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11 that speak about God's sovereign choice. When he says this, it is not as though the word of God has failed. Romans chapter 9, verse 6. Yes, he is called... Yes, he has chosen the Jewish people to fulfill a very unique and a very specific role for, for what his children as promised. But upon their rejection, the Apostle Paul reminded everyone in chapter 11, verse 11, through their trespass, their sinfulness, their rejection, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles. This is good news for all of us. But We need to know something. We need to hold on to the fact that God's saving plan always included the Gentiles. God's saving plan always saw you. He saw you. This is not a plan B. God up there, oh no. My my chosen people have rejected me. What am I going to do? No, no, that's not it. God knew before the fall, Genesis chapter 3, all of mankind was going to be thrust into brokenness and sinfulness. Therefore, what? Rescuing the nations, seeing you, has always been part of God's perfect plan. This is his sovereignty on, on like full view, high death. We see God's sovereignty. Yes, it begins with Christ. What does it say? Christ becoming a servant to the circumcised, to the Jews. To show God's faithfulness. Why? Because he's always good to his word. We know that what? It always includes confirming the promises that were given to the patriarchs. That's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, or Israel. He always keeps his promise. He's always good to his word. He always keeps his promises. But for what? Or we always ask the question, so what? If you, if you make lines, which I encourage you to write in your Bible, look at verse 9, in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. And underline those words, glorify God for his mercy. All of this happens so that the nations, so that the worlds... Would glorify God for his mercy. This, this is the basis of what we introed with. You see, this is the basis of our hope. Why is it so important? Why is it so significant? Because when we seek to glory in ourselves, that's when the bottom falls out. That's when people say, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't look good. I don't like it. There must be something else out there because my plan, this is not working. If we focus on ourselves, that's when things collapse, things crumble. So we focus on the Lord. Our, our goal for gathering here is that we see him. Now now just, just stop. What's, what's the big idea of the text? We, we could step back. What's the big idea for the book of Romans? What's, what's, the, what's the big idea for the New Testament? What's the big idea for the entirety of Scripture from, from Genesis to Revelation? What's the reason that you exist? Westminster Shorter Catechism would say in question number one, what, what is the chief end of man anyway? The answer is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. You focus on that, and you'll never miss out. God exists in perfect glory. And we know the story of the gospel. He lovingly and graciously formed us from dirt. Now, that's not a metaphor for primordial slime, okay? It's dirt. Add water, you get mud. Dry it out, you got dust your dirt that's where it begins and god what in his sovereignty actually breathes into us the breath of life the gift of life and he creates us in his own image we reflect him there's three parts of us body soul and spirit just like god is three in one And God offered us everything. Not only did he create us, he offered us everything we needed and more. Provision. He offered us purpose, intimacy, beauty. And most importantly, he offered himself to be with us, to commune with us, to fellowship with us. And yet, what happened? Man rejected. Woman rejected his plan believed a lie. Same thing people are doing today. They disobeyed and they suffered and they continue to suffer sickness, separation, disease, death, pain. That's when we were introduced to thorns and thistles. And in parentheses, I put and poison ivy. Like everything that reveals a brokenness, war, leukemia, addictions, selfishness, divorce, suicide. Jealousy, anger, and a a thousand other aches that exist in this world which seem like there is no end. But God, look what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, being rich in mercy. Remember we just talked about what is the big idea to our text here that we all glorify God For his mercy. So all the brokenness. All the hopelessness. All of the darkness. All of the depression. But God being rich in mercy. Because of his great love. Which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses. Made us alive together with Christ. So that what? So that now if and when. You this morning choose if you have not done it already, to accept that love, trusting the Lord Jesus Christ as the one and only who offers hope. The one who died in our place and rose again so that we could live, what? Alive with Christ. We can live whole, holy. We can live in wholeness and oneness. We can live in righteousness with the one, with the one who designed us, created us, and loves us unconditionally. What's the result? So that with his mercy on full display, he gets the glory. He gets the glory. You know that amazing doxology in the in in the uh, book of Jude to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, both now and forever. Amen. You you see now why Jude included these words for. For us to persevere prior to that. It's a call to persevere. Before that most well known. And famed doxology. Jude writes in 20 and 22. But you beloved. Building yourselves up. In your most holy faith. And praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Listen to this. Waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. That leads to eternal life. This is, this, is, this is too good to hold on to it for ourselves. This is why what? Paul gives his listeners in the church of Rome. And the Holy Spirit gives to you and I today several examples here. And we won't read them all again. But we know in verse 9 is that first quote. It comes from 2 Samuel chapter 22 verse 50. And Psalm chapter 18 verse 49. What's happening here is that Paul cites... The royal victory psalm of David highlighting how God's plan would include the Gentiles through the Davidic line of which Jesus Christ is the heir. He's the head of. Second quote in verse 10, Deuteronomy 32 verse 43. Moses is calling the Gentiles to join Israel. Everyone gather together to give praise. In verse 11 is the third quote. Remember the end again and again and again psalm 117 calls the nations to praise god the final quote in verse 12 isaiah chapter 11 verse 10 this is where the davidic king the messiah or he's known as what the root of jesse the root of jesse is the hope for all the nations which again takes the focus off of what ourselves and it places on the only one who can offer hope and here's the repeated reminder again and again and again and again so that we don't forget it thankfully praise god since there is such desperately needed hope in this world and it's not for a few but it's for all so the world would know him and hear him and yet there's at some level a responsibility on our parts You can't just be hearers only. We have now what? We've been gifted with this message. We're to be stewards of this message. You've been given breath in your lungs. And and you've been allowed your, your heart to continue to beat one more day. Why? So you don't live life for your glory. So that you share the glory that you know is for God alone. That you tell others about it. That you show it in your own lives. You graciously and humbly go up to someone who you know is aching and hurting and wallowing in their own hopelessness. Say, I love you too much to leave you there. I want to tell you about the only one who offers hope. We see as well, finally, as the same Previous scripture kind of concluded and and includes a prayer. The same thing happens here. There's a prayer, secondly, for the hope that Christ offers. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so the power of the Holy Spirit may abound in hope. There's this idea that says what? We cannot do it ourselves. We don't have enough. And so there's this prayer to the God of hope hope paul is asking the lord to fill the believers of rome just like the holy spirit fills us today with all joy and peace in believing i would say that is a caring loving shepherd and a faithful example teaching us how we are to pray and teaching us specifically what we are to pray for and what does this mean If you hear nothing else this morning, and there's a lot of swirling going on, a lot of motion and movements. What did we just read? Hear me on these. Joy only comes through believing in the Messiah. We just saw that peace only comes through believing in the Messiah. And it's joy in our lives and peace in our lives that reveal the hope that exists. Yet, You ever hear some of the advice for how people are to receive joy today? You ever just like, like what, maybe I'm missing something, so what is offered out there? And, and a quick search reveals, tell you what, there's a whole lot of nothingness, there's a whole lot of nothingness, and out of great respect for success.com, Here's here's their instruction. This is the best the world has to offer. How How to find joy. Number one, stop waiting to be happy. Okay, done. I'm done waiting. That's number one. Number two, add happiness to your life now. Number three... Make self-care part of your routine. That's good advice. Focus more on yourself and less on Christ. Number four, get in a joyful state of mind. You're telling me what I already need to know, what what I have looking for, and there's nothing here. Number five, stop worrying. Number six, laugh more. I'm trying. Number seven, love more. Number eight, find bliss in your bucket list. So success.com doesn't offer a whole lot of what do I do in order to find joy? How about prevention.com? It takes a more meaningful approach. Quoting Ph.D. Forrest Talley, a clinical psychologist who says, happiness can be brought about by a good cup of coffee in the morning or a, a funny movie. Joy, on the other hand, is more difficult. So he recognizes it's a little bit more difficult. So he says, number one, look for meaning. Number two, think small. Number three, make room for passion. Number four, set a goal outside of your comfort zone. Number five, be present. Like, what does that even mean? This is what the world is telling you. Number seven, volunteer. Number eight, connect with nature. We live in the midst of nature. The world has nothing out there, and the search for peace is no different. OprahDaily.com. Breathe in and breathe out. That's what I'm doing. (laughs) Feel the truth that you're you're safe. (laughs) Read the story you're telling yourself. That's, That's the world's advice on how you find peace today. Let me just say it again. Read the story you're telling yourself. I'm just confused by that. How am I supposed to find peace? Maintain good hygiene. That's a a good one. Number seven, practice acceptance. Let me just just say this very clearly. Leave the silly shallows of this world. Leave it. There's nothing out there. There's no fear of missing out on anything that the world has to offer by way of how do we get joy? How do we find peace? How do we have hope in this world? There's no FOMO. There's no MOMO. The truth is, not only is is joy and peace promised for those who believe in the Messiah, but the Holy Spirit has been given to us. It actually says, through his power that you may abound the word here in Greek is parisio. It means abundance, overflow. It actually has this idea of a wave that crashes over. You abound. That's that's abundance. So, so quickly, how 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 are you doing in your old hope level right now? How's it, like? Where's the gauge reading? Let me ask you this: What what are you hoping in? Your degree. If I just land that next job, I know it's going to... If I find the right spouse, if the Lord blesses us with a, a little one, if I could just find someone who really just understands me, if I could just volunteer more, what, what are you putting your hope in? Leave the shallows of this world. And say, is, is the hope that you're seeking for the world, Has to, is it resulting in joy and peace? Hebrews 4 says, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. Is that how you live your life? In confidence? Or let me give this a shot. Maybe I'll show up at church one day. Let me give you a couple things. Remember first and foremost, there is there is there is hope in no one apart from Jesus. There's nothing out there. You're not missing out on anything. Number two, just search your own heart and confess. Sometimes we're putting hope in in other things. And, And Lord, reveal that. Search my heart. Thank the Lord for his glorious hope that is available to everyone. And scriptures prove it again and again and again and again and again and over and over and over and over again. It's been proven. Just bask in it. Enjoy the peace and joy that comes by placing your hope in the Lord Jesus Christ and then offer that to another person because we live in a hopeless world and there is no, there's no lack of opportunity. Today, if you're like, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know entirely what you're talking about, Pastor Tim. All I know is that there's just a big empty hole in my life. And I know that, like, I didn't sign up for this. And I've read all the websites on how to get it, and there's nothing. And today, let me leave you with a reminder that you can simply bow your head and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over all. And he's Lord over your life. And rather than running away from him, you can just do this and say, Lord, I'm yours. And I trust the fact that you died on the cross for my sins. And I accept you as my Savior. And from this moment onward, I'm going to desire living in accordance to this word that offers the only hope because it offers the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I would ask that you would just continue to to speak to us and, and allow the truth of the gospel to seep through our lives. Help us, Lord, to very carefully examine where we're at. Knowing that there's not a man-made solution to give to us what only you can. We thank you and we praise you for the hope that exists in the message of the cross, the message of the gospel and the work of Jesus. Help us, Lord, to be truth-tellers of this. Help us to bask in, in the truth that knowing you're the answer. You're the living water put our trust in you We will never thirst again you're the bread of life that when we eat we will never go hungry Father I thank you for your word and I thank you Lord for how precise it is I thank you for how perfect it is I thank you the fact that it continues on long after we leave your house today that your word your spirit would speak and that we would be hearers and doers we ask this in Christ's name Amen.